0: Hi, welcome to Pop Cult X, episode two. This is Gabriel. And this is Daniel.
1: You're listening to Pop Cult X.
0: So, this week we're going to be talking about Women's History Month. Um, so, for those of you that don't know, Women's History Month is the time that we celebrate the accomplishments of women throughout the years to our culture and society. Here at Pop Cult X, we're obviously obsessed with pop culture. So, we're going to bring up some women that have personally influenced us and share with you how they have made their mark on the history of pop culture.
2: And we'd also like to shout out to all the moms out there because without moms or without women in general, Pop Cult X wouldn't exist. None of pop culture would exist, actually. So, shout out to all them out there.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to all the strong moms out there, specifically Danny and and my mom. Uh, That's where it all started with uh, our respect for strong women. So uh, the first thing that I would like to talk about is um, the trending topic of the new Tina Turner documentary. So that um, just premiered on HBO Max this past Saturday. I was fortunate enough to watch it um, Sunday night, and it was really remarkable.
2: What's the title of the documentary?
0: Um, It's actually titled Tina, oddly enough. Uh, They they didn't beat her on the bush. It's very simplistic, Tina. I think it speaks to the power of her personality is that she's really beyond, you know, titles and definitions. Like there's only so many people in history that can kind of go by one name. Tina Turner is one of those. It's simply Tina. So to kind of hit some of the strong points on on uh, what the documentary talks about and and uh, documents, it it starts off with her beginning with her kind of tumultuous upbringing and her her life with uh, meeting Ike Turner, who she famously had a, a very tumultuous marriage with, um, and how she bravely opened up opened up about her abuse by by Ike Turner. Um, and then it transitioned into her beginning um, a transition into a solo career after she divorces him and then sort of rises to glo- global superstardom. Some of the things that I really um, was impressed upon um, or impressed by was that they really were the first um, black rock and roll group. And she was one of the first black rock and roll singers um, to really pack places like the Rolling Stones, she famously taught Mick Jagger how to dance. So, I mean, <laughs> it, when you're an icon who influences someone who's as legendary as Mick Jagger, I mean, that really speaks to um, the the scope of her influence that, that she's, you know, influencing people like Mick Jagger and and her other contemporaries like Rod Stewart, Cher, um, so it's amazing. Um it talks about the time period where um they made the film about her life, what's love got to do with it, which I think a lot of people.
2: Um, did she teach him how to dance before or after the video for Let's Dance with David Bowie?
0: I think it was before. So if if you um <laughs> So you have to remember that she was with Ike Turner. So this is during, you know, the fifties and sixties. So this is the the very beginning of rock and roll. I mean, this is when, you know, people that we now think of as legends were, you know, young men. I mean, we think of Mm -hmm. Mick Jagger now as, you know, (laughs) uh, a a legend and someone who's in his senior years, but um, this is a time period when he was still an extremely young man, still learning how, you know, to become a, a rock God and, um, this is where where Tina Turner and Ike Turner really influenced them. Um, okay. We also have her movie "What's Love Got to Do with It," which uh, you know kind of magnified her her status as really being a symbol of strength and perseverance. Um, and then recently, she had her Broadway opening of "Tina," the Tina Turner musical. Oh, I didn't um, know there was one. We oh. saw that um, really come out and, and be really popular, and um, that was another. You know, another realm that that she was able to influence people. So, you know, we see her influence on film as an actress, um, as a um, as a now musical subject um, for a Broadway play. She's an author, having authored her her, um, co-author, her biography, singer, performer. Um, I, you really can't watch those live performances and not see how she influenced people like Beyonce, um, Lady Gaga, people that, you know, are are within the contemporary music landscape now. Um, so it, it's highly recommended. Um, if any of you have not watched the documentary, I know it's just been out for a few days. Highly recommend it, um, especially younger audiences who may not be familiar with her um, with her work. Um, she's an amazing performer. I mean, I think it goes without saying that, that she is one of the best rock and roll performers of all time.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I remember in high school um, when I was in show choir and musical stuff and we did proud Mary nice. and it was, it was a blast to be able to sing that song. I mean, I'd heard it growing up of course, but just to be able to perform that on stage and kind of somehow, you know, get that same sort of feeling that she always put out through all of her performances. And just to be able to do that on stage was great. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, that's, that's also one of my favorite songs. I think, uh, you know, the, the stuff in her eighties I, it reminds me of the time that I was a kid and, and, you know, listening to pop music and uh, that's really, you know, her first album as a a solo artist is really iconic, um, really speaks to the the time and musical styling of the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you you kind of have like more of a um, softer R&B feel as she started, started to get a little bit older, um, but still maintained her relevance um, in the music realm. But um, hats off to her. I think she's an amazing artist. And um, yeah, definitely wanted to highlight her on this episode. Um, definitely.
2: And she's a mother as well, I believe. So yeah, absolutely. strong mother there as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, yeah. who else did you want to talk about this episode, Diddy?
2: Well, for me, when, and you mentioned her already, um, Stephanie Girimota, is that how you say her real name? Um, Lady Gaga. Now, I didn't become a Lady Gaga fan until after I saw the Bradley Cooper film, A Star is Born.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, after, since then, I've gone back and I've listened to a lot of her old music. And I mean, I knew who she was. Yeah. I knew the whole package of her from the fashion to the um, you know, just, oh, what's the right word? The, the controversy, I guess you would say mm-hmm. uh, surrounding her. But when I heard her vocals and isolated her vocals for stripped away, everything else, and just heard her singing in that movie, it was like, wow, that was like a turning point for me. So I went back and I watched her documentary that she has. It's called five foot two. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how tall she is. She's her, <laughs> she's really short. <laughs> but it it showed her um and the uh, what she's gone through to get up to that point where the documentary was made. And I guess it accumulated with her Super Bowl um performance. Mm-hmm. And the what she put herself through and all the pain that she was in with some of the um, I guess some of the performance aspects that she had to do. It's just amazing. And But getting back to her vocals, for me, it's, they, for me, it really touched me. I don't know why, but just the way, just the sound and the tonology of it, it just was, it's, I don't, it's, it's put me at a loss of words, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It did. It's, 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 and not just in, from the movie, but listening to her album, Joanne and how she dedicated that to her aunt and the song a million reasons and it's it's just so powerful so uh, i'm sure a lot of people out there are lady gaga fans i mean she's huge and for good reason but that that album joanne i know it's not her usual pop dance inspired album but it's it's a strip back actually even more stripped back from that is her um jazz album with tony bennett cheek to cheek and that harkens back to a lot of musical theater songs and just hearing that. And I was like, Hey, I know this song. I know this song. And so I was singing along with them there. And that was really fun.
0: Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of parallels that you could really, you know, um, draw from Tina Turner to Lady Gaga. Right. So you have Mm -hmm. two incredibly strong women that are, are, you know, physically overcoming pain Tina Turner yes. the physical abuse that she suffered at the hands of Ike Turner her husband and then Lady Gaga who is battling you know the pain of fibromyalgia and yes. is able to still perform and not only perform but perform in ways that very few people are able to do right like you you think of legendary performers that not only have the voice but are dancing singing live and you know, both of them are, are, are awe-inspiring. They're remarkable performers. I, I never seen Tina Turner perform. And, you know, sadly, this documentary was sort of her departure. This was her goodbye to, to the fans. And, um, but I, I have been fortunate enough to see Lady Gaga a couple of times. And oh, right on. The amount of dedication that, that she puts to her performances are amazing. I mean, you stand there and you're fully entertained. I mean, it's, the spectacle that you've kind of come to expect from Lady Gaga, right? So she has mm-hmm. outlandish know, outfits. You have, you know, these really danceable pop songs. Um, but then there's moments when you are watching her where she has, you know, this connection with her audience and she's singing songs that are incredibly heartfelt, that are uh, you know, very personal. And you see the real person, you start to see you know, like you said, Stephanie, you don't, you see past the Lady Gaga character correct? and, uh, and you really get to see that. And I think that that's what, you know, people who initially were little monsters from the get-go <laughs> have been able to see with all of those things that you mentioned with the Tony Bennett performances, uh, with, I believe she did a performance at the Oscars where she did a, um, an homage to the sound of music. And yes. She she's did. able to sing things that only a really talented vocalist are, able, you know, would be able to do. And so I think that's where she really garnered a lot of respect of people who aren't necessarily, you know, pop music fans or mm-hmm. aren't fans of, you know, the spectacle that she was known for. Um, and, and so I, I think that it was really smart of her to be able to, to go into those different directions and, have different you know um very different types of musical um uh, styles and go from jazz to you know a country folk right. sound to now again her most recent album is like her return to that you know pop music icon with very danceable tracks but that still have really personal lyrics Um uh, one of the songs that that really has appealed to me as a fan is her song um 911 when you okay. listen to it it's you know, really, it's a club anthem. You know, it's really danceable, but it talks about you know her battle that she's had with depression, with anxiety, and you know, really kind of one of the the word or one of the lyrics is, um, you know, she talks about the problem has always been me since day one, and and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but um, she says it a lot more poetically. Uh, but <laughs> I really relate to that having you know battled with anxiety in myself um, and you know it. it's just it's when you take the time to listen to her lyrics um, you see that she's so much more than just a pop star she's really someone that has been able to write songs that touch people in a really deep meaningful way Um, And that's what, what I really respect about her. Um, I love, you know, don't get me wrong. I, she really appeals to my sensibilities, like the fashion, (laughs) the avant-garde couture that she wears, um, the makeup, the hair, all of that. I love it. Um, But that's where she, she really becomes an icon and and someone that, that transcends, you know, pop star. Um, and so oh, I, I totally, totally, I, I'm totally glad that you brought her up.
2: And a quick anecdote about that is, so my nieces were here over the weekend and they were asking me if I knew who Ariana Grande was. And I was like, exactly. well, I know who she is. I haven't heard any of your music except for the track she did with Lady Gaga called rain on me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, that's not her song. That's not, that's not her. So I said, okay, Ask Alexa to play top songs from Ariana Grande. So they did, and what was the first track that played? Rain <laughs> on Me. <laughs> so so I was like, just boom in your face.
0: <laughs> sometimes you have to put little kids in their place.
2: <laughs> yeah, show met us you know,
0: Gen Xers, but um, don't doubt our pop called pop culture knowledge. <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: And so yeah, so you definitely. I, I take pleasure in that sometimes too, letting little youngins know. Uh, we're not so old okay we know what we're talking about
2: <laughs> that, that's very true i mean she gets on her her TikTok videos and the one minute clips or whatnot that they're on there and and she likes the editing and she likes the producing aspects of the video which is great we need more girls or women to embrace that side of the music industry or video industry world i sat down with a music producer a co owner of a music production house. And we had a conversation about that topic about women in the industry. So, you know, let's just go ahead and hear that right now, and we'll come back afterwards. with Shannon Callahan of Planet Mischief today. Um, thanks, Shannon, for taking some time to talk to us.
1: Thank you for having so, me.
2: So, um, just tell us a little briefly about yourself, how you started in music—just a real brief overview, so people know who who they're he- hearing from today.
1: Of course. Um, well, I started in music a while back. I actually grew up as a dancer, singer, and I was taking piano lessons at a young age. Um, I, in around 20, I kind of started picking up guitar and I was writing music and I started even like making beats and stuff um, oh, okay. in like my late teens. And around 2016 is when I actually partnered up with Jaime Morales and we actually co-own Planet Mischief together. And Planet Mischief is our music production company.
2: So you co-own Planet Mischief um, I do. and you said you write music, you you were a dancer.
1: Yeah. Um, and playing in bands. I still play in a band. Um, yeah. And with, with Planet Mischief, um, like I said, we we write music for licensing, but we also have a um, progressive metal band right now as well.
2: So what do you see yourself as first, then more of a producer, composer, songwriter, musician.
1: Well, I've I've always seen myself as a songwriter. Um, oh, okay. I, I definitely as a I'm a guitar player, pianist, and vocalist. So, you know, th- those are 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 definite passions that have gotten me to this point in my life. But in the last few years, I've really like definitely evolved and. Putting on that producer hat, I've really started to identify with that role. Um, and, you know, just with, with the pandemic happening, it kind of took all of our live performances away and it kind of <laughs> changed the whole, the whole landscape of music. And e- even before the, the pandemic, I was, I was producing this, this electronic album. It's called uh, Pipelines. We actually just released a single last Friday called um, Broken Broken Sky. It's on Spotify. But like really during the pandemic, it really caused us to buckle down and just get really focused in the recording and um, production process. And really recently I found like that's just such a passion of mine. And that's just something like if you know, if live music were were taken away for good, I would be like, okay, that's that's actually okay. Cause I <laughs> as a you know, as a producer, it's like, well, that has longevity, whereas live performing doesn't really. So kind of more as a producer lately.
2: I hear you. I hear ya. <laughs> I was reading I was reading through your blog post, uh woman. Whoa man. A sweet oh, um thank you. So I married an Axe Murder reference there. I like yeah. that. <laughs> um, you you put that only t- there's 20% of all musical artists are women, but only 2% are producers. Mm-hmm. So how would you best encourage a, a woman or a girl who's just starting out in the music industry who wants to become a composer or producer or someone, you know, not fronting a band
1: mm-hmm. and
2: right. what would, how would you encourage them to go about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think it's such an important question because there are many out there um there are many aspiring sound enge- female sound engineers mm-hmm. producers songwriters yeah who aren't like you said fronting bands who aren't already like in a limelight you know situation and my my biggest thing and this kind of goes for any gender any any person really any anybody like you have to take this calling that you have and take it seriously and you ha- you owe it to yourself and you owe it to right. others right. to follow it. Um, it doesn't do you any good, you know, dampening that that calling. And And not everyone is in a situation where they're surrounded by support. You know, sometimes like, like I think all of us have experienced like, you know, the haters out there. But sometimes <laughs> those are your friends and family and you really have to assess like, who's looking out for me and who, you know, who has my interest, you know, first and foremost, and it's yourself. So you really, yeah, I mean, you really owe it to yourself to go, okay, well, if this is what I want to do, what's required of me? And like something that we here at Planet Mischief believe is like, set really high standards for yourself. You know, don't let the, you know, other people's negative comments or even their positive ones dictate what you do. If you know what you need to do, then you owe it to yourself to like make a plan of attack and follow it. Um, Like we were just really, really passionate about spreading this message of create strong, uh, have a strong work ethic, create really um, firm, a really firm practice schedule, have really high standards, start tackling things that are Are difficult. Like if you if you have a hard time speaking on camera or you know networking with people, then you have to start doing those things little by little and overcoming these fears, or you're not gonna like make necessary connections with people that are gonna help you grow and move forward, you know, on your path. So really just believe in like promoting that believe in yourself. Thing um, which seems so obvious, but people really, you know, have a tendency to take what people are saying around them, you know, and and let it discourage them. And you really have to just shut everything out and sometimes make these sacrifices that other people around you aren't always going to understand.
2: Yeah, that's that's true. That is true. I I get that completely. You just have to be able to willing to put in the work and
1: exactly and
2: do what it takes to get where you want to go and not just settle.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Another thing I read in your most recent blog post, and Mm -hmm. one of the things that really drew me to, wanted to speak to you today was you talked about labels and gender labels. Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up myself in Gen X period and coming Mm -hmm. up through bands like Garbage and um, Hole Mm -hmm. and other female lead singer bands, Mm -hmm. why do you think we're so... frequently used or are so frequently used when describing female or see I'm saying it right now while describing uh-huh. musicians or singers in the industry.
1: Well there's labels. definitely kind of a typecast situation going on where we have like female front woman and then the male band in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing when you see more and more um musicians female, um right. not just like, you know, the band the, the guys on the instruments and the the, the <laughs> right. pretty face up front. Cause that is such a common, you know, common thing. in like pop divas, you know, it's very yeah. much a sex sells situation, but there are many talented women out there. And I, like, even f- like for me, you know, getting started, like, I, I could write a song, but the band like that I used to be in, it'd be like, okay, but we'll play it. And you just you'll sing it. But it's like, oh. but I, I wrote it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll I'll play it. <laughs> oh man. Um, it's it's very, you know, difficult sometimes um to be seen as this multi instrumentalist or, or what have you. But um the female front woman, it's just such a a popular right. a popular visual that we're we're used to. Um and then you have these like all female bands. Um and I I was reading about one of these all female bands, I think it was Crypta, and they had recently gotten some backlash because guys were like, what do you you don't want to have guys in your band? And their approach (laughs) was we're trying to create opportunities for women where there aren't as many. Um so the label thing, the female musician I thought it was really important when we made this a uh, YouTube video for international women's day. And we had, uh, we had talked to, um, Jen Taylor Warren, who, um, is the founder of the iron maidens. Mm-hmm. And we talked to this other, um, musician, Valerie Bouchon, um, who's just like took on the role of, you know, she's songwriting, she's, um, playing all of her instruments. She's engineering her tracks, producing her tracks, and she's self-promoting like crazy. And even That's she cool. gets, you know, constant, you know, criticism, but she's awesome. Like talking to these people and really, you know, when me and when me and Jaime were discussing, you know, what, what can we what can we offer as a possible solution to this gender divide? Um, it really became apparent. It starts with the label itself. When we say, hey, I'm a female musician, you're you're taking yourself out of the main category and you're creating a subcategory I for see. yourself. So why are we calling ourselves female musician? I'm a musician. I'm a producer. Right. Definitely. <laughs> you, <know?
2: laughs> you were talking about the artists and how they're self promoting, producing, writing mm-hmm. in this triple threat. Triple threat. And mm-hmm. you went to describe that in your latest blog post as well, which I'll mm-hmm. I'll have links to in the podcast, everyone. So you'll be able to go check out Shannon Callahan's um, Planet Mischief blog post. Um, so tell me more about what you feel like the modern emerging artist needs to encapsulate then if we're looking at this new triple threat.
1: Yeah. Cause um, you know, like we've always heard the triple threat, like the singer actor dancer. Right. Um, But there are, there are emerging sound engineers, which is typically a male dominated role, but there are definitely women out there. I'm one of them who ha- has a passion for, you know, Recording and producing music, and i I noticed when i was um, this this whole past month when I was talking to different women about this, mm-hmm. I realized even though some of them are famous as singers and you know famous in their in their bands, they even feel sometimes that they're shy to show other things that they do, like. Uh like musically or in the production studio. And I didn't really realize until talking to them that like, wow, you know, it's not just the newbies coming up that are, are nervous about exposing their interests and, you know, their talents. Like they feel like, you know, you get that like imposter syndrome, but I'm like, Hmm. even people who have had success (laughs) in their career have this imposter syndrome. And I'm like, you know, why is this happening? So there's a common thread that's linking everyone together, you know, like, there's a, there's an, a a divide that we could easily get like over if we just get over our own fear. So, you know, I just, I just say, go for it. Like, even if it seems like, okay, well, there's not as many female engineers or producers. Well, good. Then we need you to step up.
2: Right. (laughs) Well, if there's not that many, we need you to become one. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's a voice there that needs to be, you know, heard.
2: How do you think um your style has changed from when you started to now, especially given that mainly everything's more internet based and more web based and less live? Do you think that changed your style, your creative style at all?
1: Um that's that's an interesting question. I mean, I definitely like I said before taking away the live component has definitely, you know, has caused me to spend much more time in the production studio. Um, but, but the interesting thing about that question is actually, like, when I first started working in a program called um, Acid Loops, okay. um, when I was a, a teenager, and I started messing around with beats and like, I, I made all these songs, and I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but it was this electronic album that I pretty much had put together. <laughs> um, you know, fast forward to now, and I'm my passion for electronic music skyrocketed. And so it's it's like coming full circle, like taking all these other or other routes that, you know, obviously I have a passion for playing other styles of music. I mean, we write music mm-hmm. for licensing, so that is like all different genres. But like coming back to just being in the production studio for like I, I'll sit at the computer and 10 hours go by and I've been like <laughs> creating, you know, music synths and pianos and like all this stuff making beats and like I just realized like oh you know this is a part of me like electronic music has like a definite huge chunk of my heart and I wonder sometimes like had the maybe the pandemic not even happened I'd probably still be doing multiple like spreading myself across different projects more so, whereas now I've really focused and honed in uh, I got gotcha. you on this a bit more. And it's like, okay, I, I see an avenue, you know, for produ- like, you know, I think of like an artist like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, there's such a popularity with this, like, this electronic pop music. And I'm like, okay, I see this avenue that I can see myself going down as a producer.
2: I got you. Okay, that's that's really cool. Um, I was looking at Spotify for your band Blood Cells. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I was like digitally stalking you for a little bit there. Um, (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Um, and I listened to your song "Don't Take Us," Mm -hmm. and it reminded me of an early No Doubt track. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was really cool because No Doubt is one of the few bands that I used to listen to that I never thought of Gwen Stefani as a female lead singer. Mm-hmm. She was just one of the bands. One of the – yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just thought that fit in well with the conversation we're having today in that it's not a female lead singer. So in that track, in that instance, I saw you just as you were just rocking out and I enjoyed that song immensely.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, that song ha- is very special to me. Um, it's funny you mentioned No Doubt, like, because it's our music is so different than <laughs> No Doubt. But there is a little bit of my voice that sometimes comes out a little Gwen Stefani. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've heard that before. I don't know if that's the reference you were making.
2: I think it could have been, yeah. I think when I was just listening to it, just and just hearing your voice and everything that came together, that's where it it sparked memories of that.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, they were. That was a really cool band. Like like you said, it's she was kind of more just. It was just the band, not necessarily her as like a the sexy front woman separate from the band.
2: (laughs) Who inspires you, and like what qualities do you admire about them?
1: Well, um, I'm, I'm a really, um, big Nina Simone fan. Okay. She was a, you know, killer, killer pianist, songwriter, um, had a real interesting voice and just like a, a real strong attitude and presence. And although my style is not like hers, I do do a (laughs) Sinner Man cover, but, um, my style is different from her, but I'm just inspired by her, her, her attitude, and her, the way she just kind of like dominated the scene where that's not wasn't so typical. You know, she was just this, just this amazing, amazing songwriter, and and she was right. an activist. So I, I'm really inspired by her, um, and I'm really inspired by like vocalists like Sia. Who, oh, okay. for so long, was songwriting for all these pop stars and all these other people who who were famous, and you never really realized the the person behind the song was commonly Sia. <laughs> and I remember I was listening one day to some like some radio station, and she did this cover of a song called "I Go to Sleep." And I didn't know it was a cover at the time. I just heard the song and I went, oh my God, whose voice is this? And I went and I looked and I saw Sia. And I'm like, that sounds kind of familiar. And when I researched her further, I realized that I had been listening to her like my whole life. She was a vocalist on Zero Seven. She was like a backup vocalist for Jamiroquai. And I realized she's someone that's just been in the industry (laughs) for so long and didn't get fame until later in her life. And I'm just very inspired by by her and that journey and that willingness to be a songwriter and not be in the limelight at all for a long time
2: that's true and even still she she still shies away from it so
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um but yeah I'm I'm just so heavily influenced by by different styles so like I would say like Nina Simone and Sia are like on the pop side and then I have like my it's kind of gonna sound kind of probably funny after talking to me and hearing all my electronic music influences, which is also probably Moby would also be a huge one for me. Okay. But then I'm really inspired by like, um, bands like Lamb of God and Death Clock. Um, there's just a sound there that I'm really inspired by a really dark, heavy, um, and then progressive metal band Opeth. Um, just really inspired by that sound specifically. Um, there's a darkness, a heaviness and the 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 songwriting that's very progressive. Um I'm very I'm very influenced from that as well. So there there is a range of uh, influences there.
2: <laughs> well, it's good to have a range. It makes you well-rounded, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for spending time with us. We're talking to oh Shannon gosh. Callahan of Planet Mischief. Um what are your <laughs> plans you. for the next 5 years? Where do you see yourself going? What's 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 coming next for you?
1: Okay. Um, well, like I said, like um, we've been writing music for licensing. So there is um, some really good developments in that department. Um, really hoping that Planet Mischief's music is going to be used in more film and TV and video games. That's, I really, really want to hear our music everywhere. Um, oh, cool. But there's this other side to our company. Um, cause with our blog and all this stuff and, you know, all these, all these topics that we're, we're, we're really trying to bring to light, um, Planet Mischief has a, a really strong, you know, philosophy for, and like passion for artist development. So right what we're really trying to do is you know, not only make a name for ourselves with our music because it's, you know, our passion, but really start to integrate more with that artist development and working with up-and-comers and really trying to get at them before the bad habits start. So, <laughs> you know, because of how much we push having high standards, really um, regimented um, practice schedule for yourself. Like we want to be a part of that process. So we don't just want to like find artists and produce them. You know, we want to be a really hands-on part of that process. So anyone who knows like, oh, you know, this person worked with Planet Mischief, we want them to go, oh, they worked with Planet Mischief
0: you know ah. <laughs> like
1: like there's definitely a standard there so any artists that we work with and then send on their way to you know to go about their career we want people to know oh since you worked with plan mischief we already know what kind of standards you have and what kind of ability you have because it's not just about your your talent you know it's your talent is something very special that starts the process But like when it comes to like musical ability, that can be worked on. You have to have this like discipline, like which can be worked on as well. But we really believe in that that having that strong, strong work ethic, um, like just basically taking your music and making it a whole way of life.
2: I hear you. That is cool. Get them while they're fresh and teach them right. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you again, Shannon, for spending some time with us today. Um, thank we really you. appreciate it.
1: Thank you. This was such a pleasure. This was a blast. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Danny, that was a great conversation. Um, really eye-opening to be able to hear someone who, you know, as a female, has able to break into um, a, a field that is dominated by men. You know we, exactly we know how hard that that can be for really anyone, but especially from you know a really sexist, misogynistic industry like the music industry. So thank you so much for having that conversation and sharing with us.
2: Right, and that's exactly what she wanted to bring out, um, with her most recent blog post was about, she spoke with another musician and we didn't get to it too much in the conversation, but it's the other musician spoke really about how being labeled as a female singer or a female musician always puts her on the one step back or one step behind everyone else Mm -hmm. and how it's so hard to break in beyond just being the, the, um, female lead singer or the front of the band. So yeah, it was a great conversation. I'm glad we were able to share it with everyone. And thanks again to Shannon from planet mischief for taking the time to be with us. I was thinking when we were, when we discussed the topic about women's history month and I was thinking, I don't want to just talk about any old person I Googled because, you know, anyone can do that. I wanted to make it a little bit more meaningful into stars or celebrities or pop culture Icons that meant something to me or who I look forward to watching what they're doing next. And when I was thinking about that, I always came back to two actresses, uh, one of them being Melissa McCarthy and the other being Maya Rudolph. Now they've worked together on a couple of projects, one being Bridesmaids with Christian Wig. And whenever I hear they're, that they're coming out with a new project, I look forward to seeing what that is because I know it's going to be hilarious. I know it's going to have um worth and I know it's going to it's going to reach to me and speak to my sensibilities and speak to my outlook on life. So um are you a fan of either of those?
0: Yeah, I actually love Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy. Um I think for very similar reasons. Um, I think that they're both really smart, intelligent women. Um, I mm-hmm. think that to be a successful comedic actress, you have to be really smart, right? You have to have impeccable timing. You have right. to have you you have to understand um human nature because you have to um be able to get people to laugh at you, but also
2: relate <laughs> to you. <laughs> right. They, you don't want them just laughing at you. You need them to know why they're why what you're saying is funny. So they're not just laughing at you, but they're laughing because they can relate, like you said, to the circumstance that that character is going through at that moment,
0: yeah, absolutely. and And I mean, one of the things that that I really like about both of these these actresses um is they've able been able to carve out a career in, you know, like we said, another industry that is, not the easiest to break into for, for females. Right. So you have mm-hmm. someone like Melissa McCarthy who doesn't exhibit the, the st- the stereotypical attributes of a Hollywood actress, right. That's true. She right. Is not, you know, she's not super young. She um, doesn't have, you know, uh, uh, a slim figure that one thinks you need in order to become a Hollywood star. And uh, I love that about her. And I love that she doesn't shy away from being a physical actress that, that she's not, you don't get the sense that she's shy of being um, a larger person that she uses it to her advantage. Um, You don't really, you don't, you don't get that sense of shame for her. And I love that. Um, Oh, definitely with Maya Rudolph, you know, having someone who is of mixed race, it's really great to see again, Someone who has been able to break down that bear- barrier of, you know, being a biracial person on the cast of SNL um, to be able to become a movie star in her own right from to mm-hmm. go from comedic actress on SNL to do, do that transition into big Hollywood blockbusters, um, I think is really admirable. I, you know, immediately respect anyone that can. Break through those uh, barriers that are set up in front of them, and do it in such an excellent way that it, you know, it, it makes it um, immediately likable. I mean, they have great personalities. You know, I don't know anyone that doesn't like them. They're just so funny, <laughs> right? Um, it, 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 you know, they're like the kind of people that you would want to hang out with. Like if you, if exactly. you saw them, you know, at, at a party, you would be immediately drawn to them, right? Like I feel like they would be the cool party people at the party.
2: Right. No, exactly. You, you want to go hang out with them because you know, there's going to be something funny that's going to happen. There's going to be a story that comes out of that party. And you want to and, be involved. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd equate that to even to any project that they're in. It's a project that you want to be a part of because you know that it's going to be something that is going to make people laugh. It's going to make it's going to be an escape for people to just you know get out of their own lives for a little bit and just enjoy mo- that moment in time.
0: yeah. and another thing that I think is is really interesting about Melissa McCarthy is that I remember um, watching MTV and Jenny McCarthy, the playboy playmate mm-hmm. uh, you know host now of uh, you know various things, uh, her having her cousin come on to the set and talk. And that was Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> okay, and, and when Melissa McCarthy <laughs> came out, I was like, I remember that interview of her, you know, just being a cousin, like just kind of <laughs> hanging out with, with Jenny McCarthy. And I think that it's kind of incredible, like that you have someone like Jenny McCarthy who gained her popularity and notoriety based off of her incredible looks, right? She's- Right, her sex blonde, appeal, right. Blue-eyed right. bombshell. And then you have her funny cousin who I think it could have, you know, you could easily see how someone would be um, really inhibited or, you know, feel like, oh, I'm never going to be able to make it in this field because, you know, they, they want someone like my cousin. They want someone like Jenny, who is, you know, that that Hollywood starlet type. And, you know, you have Melissa McCarthy, still a very beautiful woman, but carved out her own niche by being funny and intelligent and i just think that's incredible i think it's it's awesome that you know we're able to see you know people what two people from the same family but who took two separate paths right exactly two uh, separate paths to stardom
2: yeah and for melissa mccarthy i wish like just myself i wish i could be more like her and more comfortable with her how she is comfortable like you said with her body and not to get off topic here but how jack black for me is also someone who i would i'd like to emulate in that sense because he knows who he is and what body type he has and he embraces that as well right. and that's something that i've struggled with for the longest time as well is you know embracing that this is me this is yeah. who i am this is what i'm going to be and not have to worry about how i can fit into other people's perceived scope of where i need to be yeah. and just realize that you know I look at them, Melissa McCarthy, and I say, you know, they're happy and they're successful.
0: Then maybe I can too. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the to go back to the Tina documentary, seeing that she had her, you know, so-called second act as a middle-aged woman, mm-hmm. you know, her solo album came out when she was, I believe, like 41, 42, which is our age basically. And to be able to see her still be viewed as a rock and roll performer and she kicked ass and you know it it's really cool because you know, as Gen Xers, you know we're getting into that point of our life where you know some of us are reinventing ourselves, some are kind of still on the same path that they were before uh i you know speaking personally, I think that I'm still so interested in so many different things that I'd like to investigate, whether <laughs> it be pop you know podcasting here on Pop Cult X or you know pursuing my art or my day job in in financial services, but it's interesting to see that. People aren't stuck in that label of, you know, I'm this size or I'm this age. And they say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not gonna let that stop me. I'm right, no, I hear you. Own it and I'm gonna fucking kick ass at it. You know, uh, I love Jack Black, like I think he's a little badass, like (laughs) and uh (laughs) Melissa McCarthy and you know Maya Rudolph is also not a young woman. Um, I think she's probably our, our close to our age. Um, you know, definitely Gen Xer as well. And it, it just shows that you know talent doesn't know an age, it doesn't know a size, um, it doesn't know a color or a gender. And and you know, and it 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 really speaks to okay. Obviously, we're talking about Women's History Month right now, and and the accomplishments of this woman, but their lessons are really applicable to all of us, right? As men, as Uh, You know, people that are getting older as members of the LGBT community or, you know, as someone who's Jewish or Latino, um, you know, don't let those labels stop you from accomplishing things. Don't don't let you know, don't give up hope that you can accomplish something great no matter your circumstances. And uh, I think those are great lessons for all of us to learn from.
2: No, you're absolutely right. It is. Don't let anyone else's perceived label of where you're at in your life stop you from what you want to do. I mean, it's never too late to try to follow your dreams, I guess is a a simple way of putting it. So follow those dreams, make them happen. And all these women we've mentioned are inspirations to me. And if we, all of us just follow our dreams and do that, we'll be a little bit more happy in this world. Right? I think if, if yeah. everyone could just
0: exactly do what they love, be passionate about it, and people would be really happy, like you yeah. said, and there'd be less hate, hopefully, exactly, all, <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> compassion for everyone. Um, and you know, we can get along a lot better. Um, so I think that's a really great transition talking about you know, positive stuff, mental attitude. Um, here at Pop Cold X, we like to focus at the end of every podcast on a nonprofit that is um, doing really something really good within the community. Um, for this you know theme of women's history, women's accomplishments, um, we chose um, Planned Parenthood. For um, those of you that aren't familiar with Planned, Parenth- Planned Parenthood, um, I, I'll go ahead and take a moment to kind of talk about what they do. Uh, so I think most people are aware of their, uh, prenatal services. Um, you know, they offer birth control services, um, but they also offer general healthcare. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're needing to see a nurse or a doctor, um, you know, for, uh, preventative reasons, um, to, to seek treatment, um, you can definitely go there. They offer HIV services. So if you need an HIV test, um, or if you need medications that can help prevent HIV um, or if you are um, diagnosed with HIV and you need assistance with uh, with medications they're definitely a great organization to seek assistance with um because of you know our political climate they have seen um, a lot of attack that they've become um, you know in the country a lot of anti-abortion um, right conservative right you know, Republicans um, defunding, yeah. Yeah, they've spent the last, you know, 4 or 5 years trying to roll back uh, reproductive rights um and federal um uh contributions to planned parenthood. Um and I think that, you know, our support is really critical um in order to help them stay afloat and not only help women, but they also offer services for men as well. So, um you know, we don't want to just think of it as um a an organization that helps women, but um, if they were i think that would be great in and of itself um but it also is an organization that helps a lot of people in our community so there's a couple different ways that you can be involved um first and foremost you can donate by phone um if you're interested in doing a one time donation or you know possibly even a monthly donation um please give them a call their telephone number is 1 855 789 7723 you can also go to uh, their website to learn more about what they do. Uh, if you need to get care or um, get involved, they do offer um, opportunities for volunteering. If you, you know, if you don't have the money to donate, feel free to get involved on a local level and help volunteer. Um, their website is PlannedParenthood.org. Um, once again, it's, it's um, available. The information at PlannedParenthood.org. Um, great organization. I, I have friends that that work for Planned Parenthood, and they do remarkable work. So I right. would, would like um, to encourage any of our listeners to learn more about the organization and um, volunteer, give a little money if you can. Uh, you know, let the let anyone know who may need the services um, know that they're out there for them.
2: Right. Definitely. Thanks for bringing that organization up. I mean, Planned Parenthood unfortunately has the stigma that they only deal with one issue. And unfortunately, um, we need to work harder to erase that because they do so much more for women, for men, other than just abortion. And um, once we break that down, I think that's like their least thing they actually do. If I remember reading correctly, that's like the the way end low end of the totem pole for what service they actually provide is abortion. But unfortunately it's the most talked about thing.
0: And and because we live in, you know, uh, a society that's framed, framed, you know, by the patriarchy that, you know, everything is um, sort of dominated by that culture. uh, You know, it's unfortunate that like you said, they've been vilified and um, they offer so much. They have Mm -hmm. men's health services, for addressing cancer, fertility, um, birth control, and, and routine checkups, um, they also do a lot for the LGB community. So, I think that you know, it. it I am also pro-choice, so I um, don't shy away from that topic as well. I, I think that even if it was just an organization that did offer um, those those uh, options for women that are are choosing to go down that right. path, I would still support them. But um, they do. it is important to know the full scope of what they do as an organization because it touches so many people within our community. Um, and uh, it's important that we make sure that they still exist because if not for them, there would be a lot of people that wouldn't have uh, medical treatment. So um, very important to, to still support them.
2: I agree completely. So, yeah, we will drop the link for Planned Parenthood in the description of the podcast. It's plannedparenthood.org. Um, yeah, please go check them out, support them. Um, even if it's like Gabe said, if you can't make a donation, monetary donation, you can volunteer. They have plenty Absolutely. of volunteer um, or opportunities.
0: Right on. So I think that that kind of brings us to the end of, of this, this week's um, podcast. Um, so I definitely want to thank everyone for tuning in, listening to episode two of Pop, Pop Cult X. As a reminder, Go watch that new Tina Turner documentary, listen to Lady Gaga's new album, and support women in the arts. Um, It's very important that we um, support and um, really enjoy the music and the talent that's out there.
2: There's so much talent out there that we need to just watch it all as much as possible, I guess, (laughs) with what time we have. Watch more, more, talk less, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, looking forward to episode three, we're going to be watching more streaming services, getting into more films, more music, um, and bringing you some some good conversation um, from a Gen X perspective. So stay tuned for that. Um, Feel free to hit us up on our social media platforms. Send us any questions or any possible topics for future episodes. And we'll be um, really happy to be able to implement those into our future podcasts.
2: We'll see you next time at PopCodex.
0: Bye, everyone.